growables, like, but they're not growables, you know. So I don't know what's in here, but there are seeds, and you can have jalapenos. So grab some, you know, when you're out there. This is just a bonus. In fact, you're a visitor, you. Have a growable right there. Yes, I don't need that. I'm good. So anyway, hey, if you've made it uh, this far into our service, uh, you know, with all of this various, you know, end-time paraphernalia up on the stage, um, we want to bless your stout heart, okay? This is good. And, uh, you know, Jesus said that, um, that, that those who endure till the end will be delivered. And I don't know if he was talking about one of our services, okay? But hopefully at the end of this, you'll be delivered from this sermon and into some place where there's some delicious food and you can enjoy some time with your family. But um, we are here. Uh, we're doing, uh, you've dropped in on a series on the end times that we're doing. And uh, last week, John talked about something I'd never even heard of before. I, I don't know if it was extra biblical, but it was called Last Day Dads. So if you want to find out what a last day dad is, it's up on our uh, website. Um, Lisa talked about the kingdom of God and how especially in the end times, it demands a decision. Who are you going to serve? Who are you for? And then we also talked about uh, you know, this idea of finding security in times of trials and tribulations, be they the end time trials or just the trials that face all believers and all humanity. So um, that's where we've been. Uh, I'm going to give a shameless plug in terms, in terms of where we're going here in, in weeks ahead. We are going to do a study on the Antichrist, the mark of the beast, and eternal judgment and hell. Yes. Dr. Jack Van Nolen will be exploring the unfolding of time. You cannot talk about end times unless you have somewhat of a dramatic voice, so that was a bonus. Well, you know, like it or not, it's in our consciousness right now that there are things happening, there are things unfolding, and you'll hear people say that, well, every generation said this is it, it's done, okay? But there seems to be more of that you know, happening right now. And I remember it was, um, I don't know, five or six years ago, maybe, maybe longer, I don't know, but there was a, a group that formed uh, here at the vineyard, unbeknownst to John Lieb, so it was totally unsanctioned, okay? And we got together really for two reasons. One, we just wanted to fellowship, but we wanted to spend some time in worship and in the presence of the Lord. And I'm looking out, and without revealing any names, there are people who were there at these clandestine meetings, okay? And we had a name for our group. Now, we couldn't really, you know, give a name that everybody would know, so we used some letters, okay? And it's W-T-S-H-T-F, which some people who may be chuckling right now know what this means. It means when the stuff hits the fan, okay? Because that's what we talked about, you know, seriously. Okay, what if something happens? I mean, it could be end time, okay, but it could be something, you know, as natural as what if the power grid goes down? What if there's, you know, for some reason, you know, martial law? What if, what if, what if? Okay, so we got together and we talked about these things. And it was, I'll tell you, it was a great group because the presence of God was there. But I remember one, one meeting we had, and we're talking about all sorts of things. Now, I tend to push things a little to the fringe. And I remember one of the questions I asked in this group, I said, okay, let's say the black helicopter folks are moving toward the compound with their night vision. What is the best color that we could wear? 
okay, a little fringy. And of course, there was nobody no, with the military experience to give me the right answer there. So we moved on to more practical discussions. And uh, I remember, you know, one couple was discussing uh, some water purification. And they were, they were saying, yeah, we've got this. And I believe the wife said, you know, if you would have spent a little more money, we could have taken care of the whole family with a little bit more. So she wasn't too happy about that. Uh, and then um, we the, the, came to the topic of food. And there was another couple there and said, well, listen, we've got horses. So in a worst case scenario, we can eat horses. But I remember the wife said, yeah, but you bought miniature horses. How long is that going to last in the end times? So anyway, as I look back on it, it was, you know, it was a rather, rather interesting meeting. I remember, Meg, you remember this. When we, we came out of the meeting, I said, man, we were just in a meeting, and we talked about night vision, not having enough water for the end times, or not having enough end time horse meat. I mean, where can you go other than maybe this church where these kind of things can happen? So, um, you know, that's, that's the stage. And what we're going to talk about today uh, is what Jesus said about the end times, about being prepared. It's about being prepared, you know, whatever that means. So when we say that, we mean being prepared emotionally, being prepared physically, being prepared spiritually. Now, I've got a video here that I think sets the table a little bit. And Mary, it's, it's our Matthew 24 video. Okay? So let's see if we can have some technology cooperation, which I believe this has been prayed through, and we're going to have it. So you can extend that a little bit. And, and we'll do it. But this, this sets the stage for what we're going to be talking about here today. So, play. of the end times in Matthew 24, the, the summary is there, there will be persecution, there will be problems, but at the end, the church is going to rise up 
and that the gospel is going to be preached everywhere, and Jesus is going to return, and that is our hope, and that is our promise. So in the midst of some of the fear that can happen when you're talking about this particular topic, at the end of the day, you know, your promise, okay, as a believer is you will be with Jesus, and, and the good guys win. You know, that's, that's the way it is, and you, you have to take that message from this as we're talking about this, but at the same time, it is going to be a time of trials and tribulations, and a good coach will prepare his team for that season. You know, a good general will prepare his army for what's going to happen, and that's exactly what Jesus did in, in Matthew 24, and we're going to be talking out of Matthew 25. Our topic is, you know, the end-time oil shortage, okay, which is the parable of the virgin. So if you wanted to open to 25, I'm going to get there eventually, but there's no hurry. We're going to, we're going to get there. So Jesus talked, I think, about four, there's maybe four different challenges, trials, or tribulations. I'm going to group them, and I'm going to share some scriptures, because you say, okay, be prepared. Um, I mean, we know Jesus, we're saved, we're going to heaven, right? Yes, but there's a call for this last generation, the people who are there, you know, in the end times, to be prepared. So what do we need to be prepared for? Why is this relevant? Um, The first is the spirit of Antichrist, the rise of the spirit of Antichrist, and just general persecution that can come upon the church. Now, of course, we can't see anybody arguing with the Bible, you know, publicly or whatever. Nobody could argue with what we believe. Uh, but it's going to increase. It's going to increase. And this is what, it, uh, what the scriptures say. And this is a little cacophony of different scriptures about this. For then there will be great distress, unequal from the beginning of the world until now, and never to be equaled again. And he, the Antichrist, shall speak great words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints. That literally, there's an end-time strategy. It's a demonic strategy to wear out the saints, and that's from the book of Daniel. Now, brothers shall be betray the brother to death, and the father the son, and children shall rise up against their parents, and shall cause them to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men for my namesakes, but he that shall endure until the end, the same shall be saved. Then you will be handed over and be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by the nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive, but for the sake of the elect, that those days would be shortened. So Jesus is saying, folks, get prepared, that your faith is going to be challenged. And if your faith okay, is, is, is this thin. If you don't have the reality in God, there's no way that you can stand in there. So Jesus is saying that we're in a season where you need to have a, a spiritual strength, okay, to endure what's, what's going to happen. And I'm not saying that we're in the last days, but you know what? We want to prepare. And regardless, regardless, we want to be a people who are ready for whatever happens. The second, the second thing that he, he talks about is um, some of the economic issues, okay, that are going to happen. And you've all heard of the Antichrist. Now, I'm going to share about um, just a, a couple scriptures here about, about the economy and about some of the things we fear, which is not having food, not having provisions, real practical stuff. It said, he, the beast, the Antichrist, also forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hands or on their foreheads so that they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of its name. And then John heard the angels saying this in heaven. Then I heard what sounded like a voice among the four living creatures saying, two pounds of wheat for a day's wages and six pounds of barley for a day's wages and do not damage the oil and the wine. 
So Jesus is telling us from a practical you know, standpoint that there are going to be shortages, okay? that there, are going to, there is going to be lack in the end times, okay? and that it's something that we need to know and we respond to you know, accordingly. But it's not something we fear because here's the other thing is that Jesus is going to be in the midst of this. And while it's, it's a time of great persecution, it's a time of great glory, where God will be manifesting and he will be providing in ways that he has already demonstrated in the Bible, things like multiplying food, um, just dramatic provision. There have been famines in the world before. There are even today. God is going to take care of things. Okay, we have to, we have to believe that. Now, the, the third issue, and this, I think, of all the challenges that we face as believers, this is a now issue, it's a then issue as well, okay? And it has to do with the human heart. There's a number of scriptures about the end times that focus in on the human heart. Well, why? Why the human heart? Why is that so important? Well, this is where the issues of life flow from. I mean, what does the scripture say in Proverbs? Um, you know, guard your heart with all diligence, for in it are the wellsprings of life. That you have to have life. You have to have hope, encouragement, things coming out of your heart, or else your heart faints and you become weak. Also, the heart happens to be the, um, the piece of paper. You know, it's, the, it's what God writes on. It's your communication line. It's, this is how God gets to you. And if your heart is wrong, if your heart is hard, there's a block there you don't receive from God. If you're not abiding, okay, in Jesus, okay, your flow is cut off. And it's the heart, it's the human heart, okay, that has to be right. Well, this is what Jesus says about that time and about the heart condition uh, of, of people during that season. Uh, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. Without love, they'll be unforgiving. They'll be slanderous. They'll be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And it says, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. The love of most will grow cold. The inability to feel things. There's, there's a dullness, you know, that will be on human hearts. I mean, I don't know. I think we all experience a level of dullness even now. We've got so many things that, that take up our, our attentions that sometimes we're not living from that place of, of just being close to, whether it's our husband or our wife, whether it's, you know, having times with Jesus where you just know that he's there and, and you begin, you know, the tears begin to flow or uh, your heart fills with joy. That it's just, it, it's, it's a systematic condition when wickedness increases. In fact, this is what Jesus says along those lines, too. Uh, he says, um, yeah, because of the increase of wickedness, okay, the love will grow cold. People will faint with terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. Be careful, or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing, with drunkenness, and the anxieties of life, and that day will close in on you suddenly like a trap. It's, it's a sad thing. It's like boiling a frog or boiling, you know, you don't know that the water is getting hotter, but you know what? Your heart's getting colder, okay? Your heart's getting duller. You're not feeling things anymore. You're desensitized. So the word here, the word for now, whether not just then, but is we guard our heart and we take care of it. And are we feeling like we should feel? Are we feeling toward the people that we should care about? Are we experiencing healthy emotions like we should? That, that's the word, and that's the word for this season, too, because we have to be in fellowship, abiding in Jesus during the season. That's the warning. Now, the last thing, and this is, I think this is the most mysterious of, of everything uh, in scriptures about the end times. It's, it's the one I think we can speculate on more than anything else. 
The scriptures talk about two different things happening. Okay, one is called uh, the great apostasy, which is a falling away. Okay, it means a falling away from your true belief systems. The other, it's called a, a grand delusion or a great deception that something is going to happen, okay? There's going to be some incident, there's going to be something that happens on the earth that is going to cause a lot of people to be deceived. This is what the, what the scriptures say. For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you ahead of time. The Spirit clearly says that in later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with how Satan works. He will use all sorts of displays of power through signs and wonders that serve the lie. See, there's going to be a lie out there, okay? And this lie is going to challenge your faith. And if I know anything about how the enemy works, a lot of times that lie, and I'm not saying that this is gospel, but most heretical teachings have to do with one thing, who Jesus is. So, be on guard if somebody is saying that Jesus is not the Son of God. I mean, what do we do? We just confessed. You know, we confessed our Apostles' Creed. There are certain things in our faith that are going to come under attack. And they say, no, we've got this new revelation now. You know, the Pope, this leader, this amazing person who's bringing peace to the world is giving us new revelation. But here is the thing, and this is the stand firm, is that we need to know that if it goes against what we believe, the foundations and the core of our, our faith, but especially who Jesus is, you have to understand that that is trying to pull you off your moorings and trying to shipwreck your faith and move you into a place where you eventually, it's just a matter of time, you will swear allegiance, okay, to the Antichrist. And at that point, there, there's really no turning back. So again, this is, this is the on guard um, that, that Jesus is uh, um, talking about. And, and I'm going to share one more thing. It says, for this reason, God sends upon them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie and so that um, all will be condemned who have not believed the truth but have delighted in wickedness. So as people turn from God and they delight in wickedness and the various things that are going to be happening during this season, which we don't know what they are, although I could go out on the fringe, Dan Curry, and talk about some of the things that they might be, uh, there's going to be some kind of revelation and there's going to be hardcore proof that, you know, hey, this is real. This person's doing these amazing things, but we need to stand firm. Amen? Amen. That's right. Now, um, a lot of times I don't read a lot of commentaries. I try to just hear from the Lord, but I thought this person nailed a little bit of the season because before the delusion comes, before people start falling away, um, it's not always like an immediate thing. It's a gradual process. And I think for those of us who have walked with the Lord for a number of years, you can say, hey, back in 1994, I was on fire. However, in 2003, you know, I was not in a good place. Okay, so, so our walk with Jesus, sometimes, you know, it varies. It goes in, into highs and lows, ebbs and flows. Um, but uh, we have to be careful when we start fading, when we start... I think what, what some people call backsliding. When we start not loving the things of God, not loving the presence of God, not taking the time to be in his presence. And this one commentator says this. He says, the atmosphere that pre, um, precedes and produces this type of deception will be a time of doldrums initiated by lethargic professing Christians that have grown lukewarm and apathetic. When the deception reaches critical mass, the great and final apostasy will manifest. That's the falling away. That's, you know, hey, we're there. 
If one is not deceived, he or she recognizes this powerful deception, and even a strong delusion is presently active in all segments, you know, of Christianity. Great numbers of people are succumbing to the influence of the satanic mind. They believe that right is wrong and evil is good. You know, one of the scriptures I've been, just as I monitor news, there's um, Isaiah said, this is, woe to you who believe evil is good and good is evil. Have you, have you heard that? That's, that's out there right now because it's a, it's a truth that's happening. You know, this is that, this is not that. You know, this is blue. Well, we see it's red. Uh, it, you know, th- there's, there's deception out there. And I believe that there's a conditioning that's saying, oh, yeah, that's, that's okay, okay? That doesn't go against the faith. I could see where that would be worked. But it's compromise, and that's the spirit that's in the world. Now, a lot of times in these kind of talks, they get way out there, Okay? but I'm going to reel it in just a little bit, okay? Why was that heavy? Um, We did a survey about uh, four weeks ago or so, five weeks ago, and one of the questions that came up is, what do we do practically? Okay, and I've got a video that I'm going to queue up here in a second. Um, What what can we do practically to to provide? Because I think when you hear some of the things that are going on, you say, well, you know what? I I want to be able to have food for me and my family. I want to be able to survive if, if if I can't buy or sell. Or just... You know, other things like, hey, maybe the grid's down. Maybe there's a, an issue. We want to be prepared. How do we do it? How do we go about starting to prepare? So um, I called upon the expertise of one of my good friends who's been researching this for a number of years, okay, Carla Flug, and um, I did a little interview. I was able to get some of her time for an interview this week, and let's, uh, let's play that if we... prepared for an emergency can be kind of overwhelming, not knowing where to begin. And so over the years we've lost the ability to basically be self-sufficient and have not been able to uh, maybe know what to do during a crisis. Basically your need is shelter, food, and water. First off, you don't, it doesn't have to be an expensive thing to do, uh, to get food. You can uh, order freeze-dried or dehydrated long-term food storage. Uh, there's several companies, uh, and those items can be a little pricey, but their shelf life is like 25 to 30 years. And as long as you keep them kind of in a cool, dry area, Um, they'll last for a long time. They even go beyond 30 years. Well, now if you were to go to the FEMA.gov website, they used to say three days of food per person. Um, Then they expanded it to a couple weeks. Now I think it's longer. I think it's like six weeks. One of the easiest things when I first started uh, putting aside food for a uh, pantry, I would just buy a little extra canned goods, maybe a little extra rice, uh, just extra stuff where it didn't feel like I was, uh, it wasn't hard on my budget. One of the things you got to uh, be aware of when you do food storage, light and moisture and heat can be the enemy of uh, storing food. So what I would do, I, I bought a um, vacuum sealer 
and started sealing up in like plastic pouches and that extends the shelf life maybe a couple years. Then I decided to go buy buckets at like Home Depot and I bought mylar bags which is kind of like a foil bag where uh, you can get them off of, uh, there's a website called BePrepared.com where you can actually put all your grains in the bag and you can put in something called uh, a oxygen absorbers which takes all, when you seal up the bag with heat like an iron or a flat iron and you have these oxygen absorbers in the bag and it takes all the oxygen out and leaves, leaves nitrogen. Probably 20 years. Okay, so what would they be? Um, I started with rice. I went to like Sam's Club or Costco and you can buy a 25 pound bag of rice and it's got something like 500 servings. Freeze dried meat, chicken, ground beef, pork crumbles. It's all been cooked and then it's been freeze dried so it's very lightweight. They're usually in uh, what they call number 10 cans. The thing about freeze dried or dehydrated foods. When you go to use them, you're going to need water and to reconstitute it. So that brings us to the subject of water. And uh, it's really difficult to, unless you have a well or some kind of larger storage uh, tank, it's really hard to store a lot of water. And it's suggested for uh, survival level storage of water is about a gallon of water per person a day. Okay, it ultimately it'd be nice to have two for like washing and you know maybe personal hygiene, washing dishes, whatever. Um, but you can get away with a gallon of water per person a day. But when you start doing the math, unless you have a lot of water barrels. Uh, it's advisable to get a water filtration system and we use a Berkey water filtering system. It's non-electric, it's gravity fed. Um, the uh, missionaries have been using these for in third world countries for about a hundred years and they're stainless steel. They have filters. The what they call the Big Berkey is about $260. And then that way, if you're near a water source, you can actually filter river water in these things. And it comes out, it takes like 99.99% of all the buggy bugaboos in there, the germs. I'm not sure what happened. Wait a minute. I'm back. Hallelujah. I'm back. Anyway, isn't that practical? I mean, it's just practical things that we can do. Uh, well, you know, it's still working, okay? Can you hear me? Okay, I'm going to project. Oh, well. Um, no, it's, you know, it's very, very practical stuff. But here's the thing. This is the difference between when Christians, uh, when we do prep versus when when others, is that, that we're called to be salt, we're called to be light, we're called to share our bread with others, okay? Um, this, is, this is why we, okay, store. 
we don't just store for ourselves in a spirit of fear, but rather, because it, it's real natural when you hear this stuff to, to have the spirit of, of fear come on you, but, but we need to be on the offensive. We're the forward lean. I mean, God's called us to be the Josephs. You remember Joseph? That he, he had a plan from God, seven years of prosperity, you save, and then you're ready for the seven years, okay, of drought and problems that came. And that is what we're called. We're called to be the Josephs. Because when people are in need, I'll tell you, I mean, even if air conditioning wasn't available, people are going to be a little cranky, okay, let alone not having food and some other things. But if you are the person who's providing, you know, a little bit of food here and there, some hope, some encouragement, this is what, this is what we're called to be. So, so all this end-time talk where, where there's fear, no, we're the forward lean, we're the people that, that provide the life. I remember Meg went down to Katrina uh, a, a couple different times with a group of people from the church. And um, the vineyard down in Baton Rouge was just set up with, I mean, they had grills, which we provided, by the way. They had showers. They had all kinds of amazing things. And it became the center for the community to come and not, not just, you know, get food, but be prayed for, for a lot of the anxiety issues. And that, that this is our finest hour. I mean, we're storing and we're preparing not so we can huddle in to the basement with guns waiting for, you know, Der Fuhrer and his, uh, you know, stormtroopers to come in and take us. No, we are, we are doing it for just the opposite reason, that the world is going to come to us because we are salt and we are light and we are life. Amen? And I think it's interesting. If you think about this, is that for the last, I don't know how many years, but we've been this center for food distribution. We know how to store we know how to procure. We have an unbelievable amount of favor, okay, with the Mid-Ohio Food Bank. We are connected with resources. Um, I mean, we have Iranians and Iraqis in the same place not killing each other, okay? That's amazing, okay? So we've been doing this work. So I'm going to throw this out there. Could it be, possibly, that there is a prophetic call on this church to be a resource during the end times or during times of crisis for the community, the people who are troubled, the people can come here and be revived, be encouraged. Think about this. I mean, I'm just, I'm just observing, okay? I mean, as leaders, you know, we're called to recognize signs and things. We've got all this area that extends back here. We've got all this area, okay, all around this place. Could it be that in God's amazing divine plan that there is a season for this church to rise up in the midst of all these things and for the kingdom of God to be manifest here like nowhere else. You've heard great healing stories. You've heard amazing things have happened in this sanctuary, out in ministry. I'm telling you right now, if something like that should occur, you will be seeing signs and wonders. You will see, you will see God get so big in this place that, that it, he won't be able to be contained in the midst of fear and anxiety, God is going to get bigger because he's going to be doing more things. But the problem a lot of times is here, that we've relinquished God's capabilities into a little box and that we have to just, just cower in fear. No, we are the people of faith, and that's what we're going to do. That's what this church is going to do. I'm going to say one other interesting thing is that this church, our very name is what? The Vineyard at Tuttle Crossing. So the skeptic says, where's Tuttle Crossing? Well, this church was named, this church was named for another season because there, there have been plans to take Tuttle Crossing here. So, could it be 
that the manifestation, the true destiny and calling of this church is not for right now, you know, where perhaps that could be mocked, but maybe for another season where things will come to fruition. There's a word in the Bible, it's called kairos. It means the fullness of time. It means the appointed time that God actually scheduled things in your life, in your life, in my life, where you are supposed to do certain things so you can enter into your call, you can enter into your destiny, you can fulfill what God puts you there to do. So could it be that maybe there's a season ahead when the church that's been named for something that is not yet, okay, is going to move into a season of being? I'm just saying, as my good friend Bob Barboski would say, right? Hallelujah. Um, all right. Well, we've got about five minutes left, which, John, I believe in your time is about ten minutes. But, um, and this is, this is really a sad situation um, because right now, you know, our talk is end-time oil shortage. And I've got a scripture, you know, Matthew, um, <laughs> Matthew 25, and it's, it's this time, and I haven't even shared the scripture. So a lot of you are thinking, oh, man, this is going to be terrible. But it's not because we're going to cut right to the chase. Okay, so what is the, the end-time oil shortage? Now, you know, there, there was not a prophecy saying that, you know, in the last days, OPEC shall raise the barrel of oil price to six shekels of silver plus five talents. Or, that was not there. That might be in the book of First Accusations, one of my favorite extra-biblical places, but it's not there. However, however, as we read Matthew 25, and I'll read it to you here. You can read it from your Bible. But, but here goes. This is um, uh, the parable of the ten virgins. At that time... At what time? It's time. This is, this is part of Jesus' last teaching before he went to the upper room uh, and before he was crucified. So this is the last teaching Jesus gave. He talked about what I've already shared in Matthew 24 with the video. So he says, At that time the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom, come and meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied. There may not be enough for both of us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others also came and said, Lord, Lord, as they opened the door for us. But he replied, Truly I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. So, we have, we have ten virgins. We have ten people invited to be part of the wedding party. They all set out with their lamps and with their oil. They all fall asleep. The bride comes. Five are ready. Five don't have oil. They say, give it to us. Uh, they said, no, we can't give it to you. You have to buy it. So they go. In the meantime, the bride comes, or the, the groom comes. Uh, the five ones who are ready enter into this banquet, into this blessing. The five come back, knock on the door. Bridegroom, symbol of Jesus, says, I don't know you. And the message of the, of the parable is simple. Watch, you know, and be ready. So without, you know, one of the scariest things a pastor can say is, I'm going to unpack this. That usually means, man, get comfortable. I'm not going to unpack this, okay? It's really simple. You know, the message is have oil in your lamps, you know, and be prepared. I mean, that's it. 
okay? Now, the other thing, as you're listening to this, and I don't know if you're like me, but I'm going to cut right to the number one central issue of this. Is, um, I've got a question. Uh, would that be, the virgins who were, um, like, knocked on the door and couldn't get in, are they going to hell? Has anybody, th- has anybody thought that here? Is anybody thinking that? It's just me. That's okay. I'll answer it for myself. <laughs> I have heard it taught that absolutely they are going to hell. However, I have heard it taught more that they are not. And I tend to believe that. And I'm going to tell you why. And you guys can, can work this out. Now, not to, make, not to give you a false sense of confidence, but get this. They're what? They're virgins, which means what? They're innocent, which implies what? They're forgiven, right? Now, they didn't just all of a sudden grab some, some lamps and start making off for the wedding. No, they were the 10 members of the bridal party, correct? So what? They were invited. In other words, they were what? They were friends of the bride. They were friends of the bridegroom. Okay, so as we look at this parable, I think it's safe to say that these people had a relationship with the bridegroom. So let me ask you another question. If you have a relationship with Jesus, can you lose your salvation? We don't believe that. We don't believe that here. You know, unless, unless you deny Christ, receive the mark of the beast, whatever, you, you belong to Jesus. And this is a theological question I can't even get into right now. And I don't want to give anybody a false sense of security. But the message is really, don't even let it come to that. Don't be unprepared thinking, I think I'm still going to get in. It's about be prepared, right? Amen? The next... Oh, thank you, sister. Thank you, sister Maggie. I appreciate that. So the next question is, okay, if the issue is oil, okay, what is the oil? I was at a party last night, which is not something you should do before you're preaching. Let me just say that. But, fortunately, there were some prophetic people there, which is a good thing to do before you're preaching. Well, what is the oil? What is the oil, people? And I got some different answers, but but this is what I believe, and I think his consensus is that the oil in the Bible is a symbol for who? Can anybody answer this question and get an extra point? Carla from our video. Yes, it is the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. The oil symbolizes the Holy Spirit. So... If you have oil, you have the Holy Spirit. If you're a believer, guess what? You've got the Holy Spirit. You have all the Holy Spirit, some of the Holy Spirit. You have all of the Holy Spirit. However, however, the activity of the Holy Spirit is, is the oil. How, how many encounters, how much encounter have you had where the Holy Spirit, whose job is to reveal Jesus, whose job is to bring, bring heaven to earth, okay, how, how many encounters have you had? What level of encounter do you have with the Holy Spirit that it produces oil in you? Now, this whole thing has, there's some interesting dynamics because you've got oil, you've got a lamp, you've got fire, okay, and then you've got this vessel with extra oil. Okay, what's the vessel of the Holy Spirit? Okay, we are, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So the oil is housed in us, but the oil, it's our reality in God. If you can, if you can it's, your, it's your activity with God. Now, you can read, let's say, three chapters of Scripture, but there might just be one verse, and you all know this, that all of a sudden, boom, it just comes alive, and God presses that verse into you. That is the oil, because the Holy Spirit has come upon that particular truth, and it's not just words on a page, but it's something that belongs to you, it's become part of who you are, and it's been stored in you. That's the reality of God. So when he says, you need to get oil, you need to get the things that are real in God. It's, it's your experience with God. Um, 
The other thing is, is that you may have, and this is, this is, this is a dynamic, oh man, this is a dynamic that happens. Uh, you carry oil, but your oil isn't always burning, right? I mean, there are times where, okay, I'm in a situation, but I'm not really burning, but then all of a sudden, by faith, if you start engaging, the oil starts to burn, okay? You can draw upon your vessel of oil. Um, a good friend of mine who happens to be here too was telling me about, uh, he was uh, witnessing once. And my friend Dave said, I said, yeah, and all of a sudden I'm just witnessing to this person and these scriptures just start coming up that I didn't even know I, I knew. Well, where did they come from? Folks, that's the oil. Okay, that's where God had done a work in him, whether it's unbeknownst to him or not, but it was real and it was God and it came out and it shined. Again, we're called to be bright and shining lamps in the end days. You know, the lampstands, right? The lampstands in Revelation, what are these symbols of? Of the churches and of ministry. So we as lights, as lamps, when, when that reality of God is activated and it starts to go out, that's the Holy Spirit. That's life. That's the oil. And that, that is what we need for the end times. We need that reality in God. And the final question okay, here is, okay, so if... If the oil is, is the realness of your relationship with Jesus, what the Holy Spirit is, is giving you via a lot of different ways. Now, let me just say this, too. All of you are going to get your oil maybe slightly different. Some of you are going to get it in worship. Some of you are going to take a drive and have a conversation with the Lord. Some of you are going to go out to nature. And some of you are going to do a lot of different things. You're going to read Scripture. You're going to hear preaching. One word out of a presentation is going to just all of a sudden mean something to you. But, again, the admonition is this. Get oil. Get oil. Be ready. Have oil in your vessel so at the right time there's enough reality in God. Now here's the thing. A lot of you who are here are part of a minority who are in church on Sunday morning. So there is a, a faithfulness amongst this group that is really good. But here's the deal. Your, your vessel of oil you know, can vary. For example, you can say, like, if it was 1998... I, I would have oil for some of the other virgins because I was a little bit on fire. I had a reservoir. And I said, hey, you guys don't have to go. I'm going to take some of my oil because I was in a place. However, maybe in 2015, okay, my oil depletion, because I haven't been spending time with the Lord, I haven't been there, is not there. So the level of oil we have can vary de depending on where we're at. But we need to continue to replenish oil. I heard one person last night said, yeah, Jason, it's about abiding in Jesus. If you want peace in the end times, if you want to be ready and prepared, it's about living in Jesus. It's about your continuous, ongoing part of your life, your abiding in Christ. And when you do that, there's, there's like a, a transmission of oil that just happens. So how do you get the oil? Again, you get it a lot of different ways. Um, I think from an end times standpoint, one, one of the most powerful ways to get oil, and I've got some olives here, is that oil, okay, this is going to be messy, okay, Oil is produced how, okay? It's when olives are crushed. I don't know if you can see that, but look at that. Okay, and there are times in our lives when, when, we're, when we're experiencing a lot of brokenness, okay? There's, there's crushing that's going on in our lives. But those are times when our hearts are open and are often the times when God is pouring in oil into you because if you allow God into those places, okay, that are extremely broken, and you allow him to speak a word of healing, okay, in that place, oh, that is oil. That is God's faithfulness coming. That is God who you, he doing something that you didn't even know was possible, and that is serious oil for the end times. Or, 
for other times too. Thanks, Mag. But here, here's the thing. It, it's whatever it takes. And this is just the exhortation for today, is, is buy oil. He didn't say get oil, just buy oil. There's a price you've got to pay. And the price, a lot of times, it's being vulnerable. Okay? Amen? Being vulnerable. Guys, we love being vulnerable, don't we? Um, it, you know, it, it's about time. You know, the price, the, the currency is not money. You can't buy with money this. Although some people who give a lot of money, they're giving their power and their strength. That there, is a, there is a deposit there. But, but really, it's about, it's our effort to give what we have unto God and allow him to put some in and doing that on a regular basis. And if that happens, you do not have to worry because God will be with you. God is going to get bigger in your life. He's going to do some amazing things. So that's the message. I'm going to, I'm going to end you know, with, with this scripture. I, I had this, that, that song was, all week was going on in my mind. Uh, and some of you from Renewal Time, remember it says, uh, the song goes, And I am here to buy gold, refined in the fire, naked and poor, wretched and blind, I come. Don't let me see again. Clothe me in white. But here, here's the scripture. I'm just going to share this scripture. Uh, and it's from Revelation 3, and it's, it's the call. It says, You say that I am rich, and I have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing, but you do not realize it. You are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. So this is Jesus speaking. He says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and have white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and sad and put on your eyes so you can see. And that, that God's just calling us to buy. Buy gold. Spend time. Spend your, spend your life. Spend your, um, your trust. And, and be with him. And if you have that, you're going to have the oil you need for the end times. And that you will not be amongst the five foolish virgins who did not, who were not in a place where they had oil in their lamps to burn at the time that they needed it. Amen. Amen. Okay. Well, why don't you guys stand, and we're gonna we're gonna pray. Um, if there's anybody who just wants a just a just a blessing spoken over them, uh, we're gonna be here. Um, also, this is a little unusual, but we've been wrestling a little bit. You know, as a leadership team, there's just been like some like mud and challenges. And if there's a number of you, I'd like to have some of our, um, our staff, you know, Maggie and John, and if uh, Rick or Mel are here, um, I'd just like some people to lay hands on, on some of our staff members and just bless them and encourage them today. So um, if you could do that, that would be awesome. So right now, Lord, we thank you, Lord God, that you have called us to be a, a bride who is prepared, who's dressed in white, uh, who knows what she needs, Lord, for the end times. Lord, to be there at the wedding feast of the Lamb. So in Jesus' name, Lord, we um, pray for an exhortation to buy oil this week, Lord God. Whatever that means for us, help us to buy the oil. Lord, we speak a blessing on everyone as they go forth. Let them be uh, the, the shining lamps, Lord, wherever they work, amongst their neighbors, amongst their children and families, Lord God. Lord, we thank you for what you're going to do. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Okay, well, have a great week, everybody. Come on down. We're going to pray. Uh, and I want some people to pray for John and Maggie.